You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hi, I'm Mo Crumb. And I'm Harrison Crumb. And we're the Crummy Marathoners. This podcast is for beginners by beginners. If you're thinking about running your first marathon or half marathon or are in the process, this is for you. We realized as we were training that many resources out there expect people to know what they're doing when marathon training. Well, think of this as a marathon training guide for dummies. We'll go through many of the questions we have as we make our way through the beginning of our running journey and what we have learned. If we can inspire others to run a marathon, then we consider this a success. On today's episode, you'll hear all about our recent experience running the limited edition Wasatch Revel Marathon and how Mo crushed her first marathon ever and how I snuck out with a PR. You're going to hear all about what went right, what went wrong, and everything in between. We hope you guys like this one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everyone, welcome to season two, episode 25 of the Marathon Training for Beginners podcast. We're the Crummy Marathoners. What's going on, everybody? Hello, hello. Sorry, we have been MIA. It's like the theme of our lives. <laughs> yes. Um, but we're super amped to be here, guys, because we're mm-hmm. talking about ourselves today. <laughs> yeah. We love talking about ourselves. That's why we're so excited. That's the real reason we got into podcasts. We're just like, hey, we want to hear ourselves talk for hours on end. Uh, just but we were just chatting about like the seasons, season one, season two. We're like, does that even matter anymore? Why do we even have a second season? I know. I asked Harrison, wait, what episode are we on? And he's like 25. And I was like, how many episodes did we do in season one? Well, yeah. Like if you think about a TV show, they typically have a pilot. Like The Office, six episodes, season one. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. But at some point, we'll have to end season two and start season three. So (laughs) who knows when that'll be. Just so everyone knows, we are trying to be as honest and open as possible. (laughs) Yeah. If you've been listening to our show from day one, you know that we're just kind of playing it by ear, inventing Mm -hmm. this as we go. Mm -hmm. So today we're talking all about our our marathons. I I mean, it was Mo's first. Yeah. Spoiler alert. She finished. She's alive to tell the tale. I did it. And And Harrison. I finished as well. He smashed it. I'm not going to lie. I smashed my previous marathon. That's right. Own it. Super excited. Really excited to dive into it. And what we thought we'd do today is just take you through the, you know, the race day and kind of leading up to it, the the couple days before and, and just our overall experience, because we know there's people out there listening who Maybe they've never run a marathon and they just want to know what's it like, you know, Uh, were we nervous and Mm. what did we eat? Did we perform? You know, what went right? What went wrong? All that stuff. So let's jump in, Mo. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So as a first timer, overall recap, summary, what do you think? How did did it go? It was pretty magical. (laughs) See, I'm glad you said that because there's probably like the other half of runners who say that was the worst experience (laughs) of my life. I'm never doing that again. I think... I would say magical and surprising. Yeah, I think that's how I would describe my experience. Okay, so before we jump into the magical, what was surprising? 
It was surprising that I thought it was magical. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what was magical about it? Let me put it this way. When Harrison first started running, I never even considered running a half marathon. I don't even think I considered running three miles. (laughs) It just wasn't in the cards for me. So I think it was so surprising that here I am having finished an actual full in-person marathon and I had a great time. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, though. There were moments, and we'll talk about it, where I couldn't breathe. (laughs) But overall, I think the experience was just incredible. It really, really was. And I think in large part, that was due to my preparation. Would you say it was life-changing? Yes. Okay. And I remember telling you before race day, because you were super nervous the days leading up to it. And you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this whole thing. And I'm like, just just do it. Your life will be changed. You will be a different person coming out of this. Do you Mm, agree with that? I do. It was interesting because all throughout training, I only had one goal and that was to just to finish, right? Um, and I, I also wanted to try to run the whole time throughout my training runs and throughout the marathon. Not saying that that's, you know, the ideal. I just know what would challenge me. But during that whole time, even when it was hard to keep running during certain runs or even during the marathon, I wasn't nervous because I just kept thinking it's just going to be another training run. But then those couple of days when we were in Utah, I think it hit me that I'm actually going to have to run. 26.2 miles. Yeah, I was worried about that for you because I know how nervous I was before my first. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh man, I just hope she doesn't let the nerves get the best of her. Yeah, but you did help ground me because there was a moment when I, I was, I think I was fairly nervous and Harrison told me, just think of it as another training run. Right. And that did help me a lot. Good. I went into it with no expectation of, you know, the actual mileage. Right. Yeah. Yeah, just one mile at a time. Well, let's let's talk about the trip. So we packed up mm-hmm. and we left Calvin, our little guy, with your mom mm-hmm. and, and stepdad. Shout out to Cece and, and John. John. Yep. And uh, that was the longest I think we've ever been away from him. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was the first time. But we took Leo with us. We did. Because it- we thought that <laughs> it would have been amazing, this one-on-one time with our daughter, you know? Like she would just, we would love this one on, and we did, we loved it, but... She showed her true colors on the airplane. <laughs> um, no, she did really good on the flight home. The flight there, she was tired and she was hungry and it was late. I mean, we, we got in at like 11. Yeah, we got she in late. typically goes to bed between 7.30 and 8. So yeah. she was super tired. That's a good point. I, did, I didn't give her any credit for the fact that it was way past her bedtime. Right. Well, and also her headphones stopped working. <laughs> So the whole flight, she was like, what's going on? Yeah, so my brother lives in Utah, and we're going to stay with him, and he's got four kids. So we thought, great, you know, Leah can play with them. But we didn't want to take our littlest because we thought that that would kind of be a burden on my brother and and Bruce and Marin because they've got a little young child who is eight to 10 months old, somewhere in there. Well, and total, they have four children. Right. So we figured, all right, let's, let's just let them watch one for us while we run. Don't get me wrong. They definitely could have done it. They could, oh, yeah. We just didn't want to burden. We were trying to be considerate in-laws. Right. And we and we thought Leah's old enough to where she'll play with her older cousins and it'll be a bunch of fun. And it was. I mean, it was a great experience. But we get to the airport and she goes, are we at Utah? And she doesn't understand the concept of states. Oh, but she says Utah. 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 Like a little country girl. Yeah, she's got an R in there. <laughs> Utah. And she's like, are we at Utah? And we said, well, that's the airport. And then she starts crying. I thought we were going to see my cousins at Utah. And I said, well, this is Utah. And, you know, trying to explain the concept of a state to a four-year-old <laughs> is something else. But we got past it. We got a rental car. By the way, the Salt Lake Airport is way too big and too much walking. It's beautiful. The new renovation, nicely done. Wasn't ideal for after a marathon walking through that airport. <laughs> yeah. Or when we were tired of walking through. But anyways, that's beside the point. We rented our car, drove to... Bruce and Marin's house, and we crashed. And and we tell you that because we thought it was important to tell you. We went a couple days early so we could acclimate to the higher elevation. It was about 5,000 elevation in, in Utah where we stayed in uh, in Orem. And the, the start of the race was about 7,500 feet. So obviously coming from Arizona where it's like 1,200 feet where we're at, we really wanted to, to get that time in, in the elevation so we could just kind of get acclimated and, and uh, so it wouldn't be such a shock on race day. So, Mo, kind of the days leading up to it while we're up in Utah, did we do anything different that's worth mentioning? 
Well, we took it easy. So yeah. we weren't doing, obviously we were tapering, but we were really, I mean, we only ran once and it was two miles. Yeah. The day before. We did a two mile run. But other than that, we weren't visiting all these different places. And I mean, we, we, went, we went out to eat a couple of times or grabbed some food and went to the store, but it wasn't like we were taking in the sights. Yeah. We were really just trying to lay low. Totally. Laying low, carbo-loading. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to our episode with Kelsey Beckman, who's the dietitian, she told us that you know you really want to start carbo-loading about a week leading up to that race. So that's what we were doing. Yeah. Utah has incredible food. There is one place in particular that really blew our minds this trip, and that was Mobetta's. Just incredible Hawaiian food. And my stepdad is from Hawaii, so he knows good Hawaiian food. And I've had it, and I feel like this was excellent. Lots of rice, chicken. It was awesome. Yeah, I think that kind of the perfect day before meal because it was a ton of rice. You could get brown rice, you could get white rice, mm-hmm. and a bunch of chicken. So get your proteins, your carbs. And then for dinner, we had Jimmy John's. Yep, lots of bread. Mm-hmm. And the day before, we actually got to go to the finish line, and that's where they did the packet pickup. And oh, that was so special. And we brought Leah with us, and she loved it. Yeah, and we posted a picture on our Instagram. So if you want to see it, she's standing at the finish line. She's so it's super cute. cute. So yeah, we picked up our packets. We went to the store. There wasn't an expo because, of course, with COVID and everything going on, they just kept it super limited. And yeah, we were ready to rock and roll. We we kind of drove around the area a little bit to get a feel for what the race would be like. Mm-hmm. We we tried to backtrack the course, but then we got lost and we said, whatever, we'll just we'll just face the course tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we tried to get to bed as early as possible because we knew we'd have to wake up at four o'clock in the morning. And we we tried. Mo is a super deep sleeper. And she wanted to take a nap that day, the day before, because our sleep schedules were just thrown off. I was so tired. I was fighting it. And Harrison just kept telling me, just hold out a little bit longer. So what time did we end up going to bed? Was we were, it nine we had to have been, was yeah, it eight? I think we had to have been in bed by like eight o'clock because we, we figured if we can go to bed at eight, wake up at four, we'll get the full eight hours, which of course we didn't. But I think I got like six, six and a half. Yeah, you were out. Like by the time you laid down, you were out. I wasn't on the other hand. I was like, my heart was beating. That's how you were though for your last marathon. You, I don't even, I think, did you even sleep for your last marathon? I did, but not much. And it was interesting because again, I am typically the one fairly anxious about things and I'm a planner, but I went into this just as laid back as possible. And I think it really benefited for my first raise. Yeah. Rather than overthinking it, Mm-hmm. and over planning. I mean, you want to be prepared. You want to have all the right gear and all the right nutrition, but like you don't want to obsess over all the details. Right. And something that was really helpful for us the night before we laid out everything. So that way, once we woke up, it was so accessible. I mean, our shoes, our clothes, we even packed our flip belt with everything that we knew we would need. Um, I I took a water bottle. Harrison didn't. Yeah. My coach just said, hey, you're going to run a little bit faster without it. So... Just just give it a shot because my first marathon, I, I wore my flip belt with the water bottle and this one I decided to go without the water and just solely rely on the water stations, which we, we can talk about here in a minute. So then, and then we slept, we woke up and it was race day. It was. You know, I, the funny thing is I was super nervous leading up to it the days before, but that morning when I woke up, 4 a.m., bam, I was ready to go. I was just excited at that point. He was. And I, I knew he was so excited because it's 4 a.m. Who at 4 a.m. is like, pumped and Harrison was pumped like the drive there he was like let's go well and it was a lot of fun because Billy was there um our friend Billy he ran it with us or we ran with him however you want to put it and uh that was just a ton of fun to to just have another friend with us so just word of advice everybody make friends along the way Mm -hmm. it's gonna make the whole experience even that much more fun okay so Harrison so we get there and typically with race I don't I actually I don't know tell me if this is like your race in Phoenix you parked and walked to the finish line or to the, to the start, start line. line. Yep. Yep. Okay. So with this race, because it was literally up this mountain, we had to park at uh, a Walmart. Yep. And then you wait for, so they ask you when you first register, what time you think you'll finish your, the race. And then they put you in waves. So Harrison was in a much earlier wave than I was. And so actually you were with Billy, right? Yep. Yeah. So Billy, once they got there, I I was in the car and then they went to go load onto the bus. Yeah. And it was kind of sad because it was like Mo had to wait another 40 minutes in the car by herself before she could load on the bus. But cool story. Billy and I go up and and they're checking your temperature and you're giving them a form so you can get on the bus. And they're like, hey, 
you guys are a little bit early. Do you want to just go with the earlier wave? And we're like, sweet. So that means we get to start earlier, right? The earlier the start time, the cooler the weather, the less sun. And so then I called Mo and I was like, hey, I don't think you even need to wait the full 40 minutes. Just whenever you're ready, get up to the bus and see if they'll let you board early. And and they did. And this was huge because by the time I finished my race, it was almost noon. Yeah. That just probably saved me a lot of sun. Totally. It was really cool too because I felt like Rebel did a fantastic job of making it as safe as possible. Oh, yeah. You had to sign a waiver, obviously stating that you, to your knowledge, did not have COVID or were not exposed to COVID. But they also checked temperatures. It was a requirement to wear a mask literally up until the finish line. And I appreciated how safe they were being because I know it took a lot for them to get to the point to open and actually have the race. Oh, yeah. And you know, when people talk about, oh, man, that, that was an expensive race. I, I don't want to pay that much money for my entry fee. But you you should have seen how many buses they had and, and how, mm-hmm. I mean, literally, we park in a Walmart parking lot and they put us in a bus and they drive us 26 miles up the mountain. And just all the coordination, all the cones, all the police officers, everything. I mean, it was just so well organized. It was. Everyone was very nice, too. We were so impressed. The whole experience. So Funny thing, we're, we're, we're getting onto the bus and we see that everybody's walking up and they've all got jackets and pants and we're just like, uh, did oh, we? Oh, because it was cold. <laughs> By the time we got up to the mountain, it was like, 20, it had to have been in the 20s or, or, or maybe the 30s. Okay, so for you, yes. Yeah, it was, well, because there was still snow on the ground. It was crazy. But I think I checked, so when I was boarding the bus, it was, I think it was in the high 30s. Okay. And then by the time I got up to the mountain and the starting line, because it was it was cold. Yeah. I think it was maybe in the mid 40s. Oh, which okay. Was bizarre, but the sun was coming out. Okay. Yeah. So you could feel the sun. All I know is when I stepped off the bus, all I was wearing was my short sleeve shirt and my shorts, and I was shivering, like shivering. Mm, and mm-hmm. so I grabbed the emergency blanket that they had. Oh, and, you and used I, that. I, I didn't just, know that. Yeah, I just like hopped around and had that to warm me up. And I, I literally was holding on to it until the, until the gun went off. But what was cool about this race, too, is they let us stay on the bus until like three minutes before start time. I mean, mm-hmm. it was awesome. They had Porta Johns and stuff and, and water and Powerade and stuff. But like you could literally wait on the bus until right before. And you got to put your bag in the luggage area of the bus. And at the end, super well organized. They had the bags ready to go. So all in all, 10 out of 10, super well organized. Great job, Rebel. Absolutely. We can't wait to do another Rebel race. Yeah, we're It hooked. was just fantastic. So Harrison, why don't you start? You get on the bus. So we're sitting there, we're riding up and we're all chatty and excited and everyone's zombies and tired. And there's this kid behind us. He's about 25. And he starts talking to us. And he's like, so what's your goal? And, and Billy and I were like, well, we're, we're both going to try to go for 330. And uh, he's like, oh, okay. And we're like, what about you? And he said, three, sub three. And we're like, wow. And then Billy turns to me and he goes, you know what? I'm going to go sub three. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, in my head, I'm thinking, you didn't train for that. We trained a, a lot together. And, and I don't, you know what? Who am I to say, don't, don't go for it. So um, so Billy and, and this guy, when we started, they both took off and I could see him in front of me, just literally a half mile ahead of me, just most of the way. So, but yeah, the, the gun went off and I started pacing myself and my goal was 3:30, which is right about an, an eight minute mile. And what was really nice about this race too, is on the website, they actually had a breakdown of how to strategize for the course. I'm glad you brought that up because that was incredibly helpful, unbelievably helpful, actually. The person who wrote it was so yeah, knowledgeable of knowledge. how you should strategize in a race. Mm-hmm. And so he literally broke down, you know, in, in sections like, okay, the first three miles are uphill. This is going to be tough. Conserve your energy. You know, mm-hmm. and he, he kind of just really broke it down. And he even said, you're probably going to go one to two minutes slower than you normally would. And he was absolutely right. Spot on. Then he talked about the next six miles and it was incredibly helpful. Harrison actually had studied it, right? Yeah, I read it probably two times before leading up to the race. And I'm so glad on the drive to the parking lot, Harrison's like, have you looked at the map? And I said, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I figured better late than never. And I glanced at it and it was so easy to read. Hugely helpful. Yeah. So he sectioned it out and those first three were kind of uphill. The next five, he said, were going to be super speedy. The, with a sharp decline. The next, I think it was maybe eight or nine miles were like kind of a steady downhill. 
And then the last 10K was pretty flat. Mm -hmm. So it gave you something to not necessarily look forward to, but something to expect, right? Like, and knowing when to push yourself and when to back off. And that 100% worked for me because even though those first three miles, I was feeling like I was about a minute or two behind those next five where it was like super speedy, I was able to make it up. And it was insane. At one point in time, I looked at my watch and I was running like a 645 mile, which Mm -hmm. I never run that unless I'm doing like a, a speed workout. And it was just that downhill, that sharp decline just made it feel almost effortless. I I wasn't even trying. So that was cool. I will say, though, one thing I was bummed out about is my Garmin seemed to be off. It was like when I hit the mile marker, my Garmin had already maybe 100 yards ahead of it said that I was at a mile. No, mine did as well. Same thing, right? So over the course of the race, it said that I really went like 22.7 rather than 22.2. 22.26? Or 26, sorry, yeah. (laughs) I was like... Yeah, sorry, 26.7 rather than 26.2. So Hmm. a whole half mile, like that's pretty substantial for it to be off over the course of of those 26 miles. That's interesting. So yeah, that was kind of my start. And I I really tried to focus in the very beginning to keep my heart rate low, just knowing that I needed to conserve energy. And if you remember listening to my first marathon recap, I hit the wall really, really, really hard. So some things that I did differently this time is I really, really carboloaded the week leading up and hydrated the week leading up. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I did was like I just mentioned it was monitored my heart rate and my effort level running the race from the very beginning and just really paced myself and when it came to hydration you know my first marathon I would like run straight through the water stations and just kind of get a little bit in my mouth and keep going this time I would literally stop I'd walk I'd take a few steps I'd make sure I got a good drink of water in a good drink of Powerade in and even when it got hotter towards the end of the race, I dumped a couple of cups of water on my head just to kind of cool me down. So I mean, all in all, it it couldn't have gone any better for me, except I ran into a bit of a hiccup right around mile 15. Hey, if you're listening to this right now, real quick, raise your hand if you care about the planet and people. (laughs) All right, if you're out running right now, I bet that was awesome watching you raise your hand. But I want to briefly tell you about one of this episode's sponsors, and it's a company that sells one of my favorite inventions of all time that's absolutely vital to runners. Toilet paper. Real, that's spelled R-E-E-L, is made of 100% bamboo, is packaged without plastic, and is shipped right to your door as often as you want it. My favorite thing about this company is that they help fund access to clean toilets to those in need. So you're literally helping people and the planet just by buying toilet paper. Mo and I just got a shipment, and guys, we love it. Super soft, and it just feels good knowing that you're helping people. So tackle your runner's trots with some real toilet paper. Go to realpaper.com. That's R-E-E-L paper.com, and use the code MARATHON for 25% off your first subscription order. Currently, Real is only shipping in the U.S., excluding Hawaii and Alaska. You have to tell the people. Don't tell them everything, but just tell the people what the hiccup was. (laughs) Well, probably about around mile eight, I started feeling kind of just kind of nervous, like that anxiety feeling. If you remember, I talked about this in my first marathon. It happened to me around mile five, but this marathon, it happened around mile eight. And I just started feeling super anxious, like, oh, it's going to be a long race. And then I had to go to the bathroom and I was like, uh oh, not just go to the bathroom. <laughs> I had to... <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, may, maybe I'm just kind of gassy, you know? Um, and so... I make it to about mile 14 and a half, and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, this is not going well. And at that point, I had caught up to Billy. He was way ahead of me, and he was having some foot issues. And so I caught up to him, and then I look over, and I see there's a Porter John, and it's got a green, you know, empty signal. And I'm like, okay, this is my my one chance. There's no one in the bathroom. I'm I'm running in there. So I ran in, and I, I did my business as quickly as possible. It took me a solid minute. And then by the time I was out, Billy was already back like... Half mile ahead of me, and I was like, uh, not half mile, but he was way ahead of me. But that whole minute, I was just so frustrated because I was like, man, I tried so hard to eat bland foods, not a bunch of fiber. <laughs> like, what did I do wrong to, to where I couldn't time this right? So that was very frustrating. But silver lining, the reason I tell this whole story about the food and the carb loading and having to go to the bathroom, what I did right was I fueled properly throughout the race, taking in the right amount of nutrition. I fueled right ahead of time and I hydrated right because I did not hit the wall. I mean, you could say I hit around mile 22, like the mental wall, like this is really painful. This is really hard. Do I really want it bad enough? But 
I didn't hit the, my head's tingly, I'm about to pass out, what the heck am I doing? I have to walk and I have to just, I don't even know if I'm going to finish this race. Like that didn't happen to me. So I just felt so fortunate. So I just pushed through those last six miles were tough. I mean, just, I was a little bit ahead in my time. I was ahead of kind of the eight minutes. I'd banked some, some time and I just said, I've, I've got to maintain about an eight and a half minute mile. As long as I can do that, I'll reach my goal. So I did, I, I pushed through, I ran my very, very hardest those last few miles. And I finished with a time of three hours, 28 minutes and 37 seconds. What? So He, two minutes? I shaved, under? oh, about a minute and a half under my goal. And I shaved 41 almost 42 minutes off of my first marathon. So my pace was 7.57 average. And yeah, I'm, I'm just super excited, you guys. I mean, you all heard me from the very beginning. I am not a special athlete. I'm not a special person. I'm, I'm just like an average everyday dad, you know, who works and provides and happens to find some time to run on the side. And guys, like if I could shave that much time in such a short amount of time, there's no limit to what I can do, what you can do. I'm just so excited for everyone listening to this. And I'm so excited for myself because I've got new goals. And that goal of Boston is now only 28 minutes away. And so I'm feeling so excited. Mo, I'm sorry. I just hogged like the last 10 minutes, but. No, but I think it's incredibly important because everyone listening knows how much you put into this podcast, into our community, into running. It's contagious how hard you work. But I get the privilege of seeing behind the scenes, just how much you do all of that on a day-to-day basis, but then how much you do everything else with work on a day-to-day basis and with the kids. So there really isn't anything that you can't do. And Harrison's the type of person where if he puts his mind to something, he will make it happen. No matter how far, what time, he will make it happen. And so I'm just incredibly proud of you. You did it. And there's well, we'll have to wait to the end of the podcast, but I am very excited for your next step. For, for you to, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that at the very end. We'll save that, guys. We've got a little nugget for you at the very end. We'll tell you what our next big plans are. <laughs> Before we jump into Mo, I, I want to take a little break and talk about the sponsor from this episode. Oh, yes. I yes, mean, yes. we can't forget about Aftershocks. Okay. First, when I was there, I thought I would see a lot more AirPods. Yeah, but same. I was very surprised how many people were wearing aftershocks. Yeah, it was so cool to see all of our fellow aftershocksonians. Ah, nice, very nice. <laughs> Mo, tell everyone why running with aftershocks in a marathon is such a good idea. I just feel like aftershocks, you can really get the whole experience of your run. Mm-hmm. At least for me, that's what I take away from it because. When you're running, it is important, obviously, to listen to what you want to listen to, but it's nice to be able to also take in the surrounding sounds. And it's also nice to not be, I don't know, completely tuned out because there was, there were moments on the mountain where I could literally hear the creek running. Wow. And it was beautiful. But I could also like hear someone say behind or mm-hmm. hey, or yep. so it was, it was nice to be able to like listen to what I'm listening to, but also take in the surrounding. Well, not to mention we're running on the side of a highway, you know, and there's That's semis coming by. And... Very important too. <laughs> no, no, you're right though. Like the beauty of the mountains that we're running through, experiencing all of that, the safety of, of other runners running by, but also like literally saving your life because there's big trucks and things driving by and like you got to be able to hear that. So I'm so pleased with our decision to use Aftershocks. I'm so pleased with their decision to sponsor our podcast. We truly just love Aftershocks. Yeah, great experience. And if you haven't tried them yet, give them a shot, you guys. Aftershocks.com slash crummy marathoners. 15% off. 15% off. The best way to experience both the race and your music. That's a good tagline. Maybe going to sell it to him. That's a really good tagline, actually. <laughs> I like that. It's true. It, it is true. It's true. Thanks, Aftershocks. Yes, all right, thanks, back Aftershocks. to the show. Back to the show. All right, Mo, we got to hear all about your first marathon experience. Okay. Everyone's waiting. Everyone's like, Harrison, shut up. <laughs> no, everyone is so stoked and amazed by your greatness. Okay, so I want to backtrack because... For those of you who don't know me personally, I'm a fairly positive person. I like to be very optimistic and kind of happy-go-lucky. So when I say it was magical and surprising, I will also say it was hard. (laughs) Okay, so let's go back to my beginning. 
I don't know, this may be TMI, but for all my ladies out there, mm, before the race, the day before, I started my menstrual cycle. On the airplane. On the airplane. And for those of us who are aware, that was not ideal. <laughs> I just remember telling Harrison and just being completely defeated. I wasn't even concerned that I had to run 26.2 miles. I was concerned about running 26.2 miles on my cycle. So anyway, I had to do what I had to do, and I just was determined not to think about it. And so after Harrison told me to see if they would let me board earlier, I got on the bus. I was fairly calm. I think I ate half of a honey stinger waffle. Oh, nice. And I was just looking at the mountain. And then as we started going up, I was like, okay. And then we kept going and I was like, okay. And then once we were almost there, I actually saw Harrison and Billy run down with their wave, which was pretty cool. And I was so proud. But I was also like, oh, this is actually happening. So then once you get up there, you park. And we got to wait in the bus until five minutes before, but they let you go to use the bathroom. And I have a very big disdain for porta potty. <laughs> but I went to use it. And then I went back on the bus. And then I had to be maybe seven minutes before the race started. And I'm like, I have to go again. And absolutely support just going whenever you need to and not holding it because that was very crucial for me during the race. <laughs> then I go and I line up and it's beautiful and the sun's coming out. And I take off my sweater. Something else that Harrison didn't mention was his first race, he had like a long sleeve on. Granted, it was Arizona. My first half marathon, but yeah. But still, like, you know, because I actually did see some people in long sleeves and in what seemed like stretch pants. Yeah. But I just decided to wear my shorts. I had a Lorna Jane's shorts on and then a tank top. And I was cold. But another cool thing was they gave you disposable gloves. Yep, those were a lifesaver. And believe it or not, everyone, those were huge. Mm -hmm. I, I think when Harris and I had ran, where did we go? Flagstaff. Oh, yeah. We went to Flagstaff, which again, if you're planning to run a race where there's high elevation, highly, highly recommend going somewhere where there's fairly similar elevation and running because mm -hmm. you'll get used to your breath. It's not even a matter of, um, you know, doing the miles. It's just knowing what it's going to be like because that allowed me to really pace myself. And I noticed when we were in this cold environment with the weather, my hands actually were the ones that bothered me the most. It wasn't even having a jacket on. It was my hands. So that was really helpful. So I was freezing at first, but I put the gloves on and then you had the mask on. And then as soon as they said, go, you ran and then you took off the mask and put it in the trash can. And then we went and it was exhilarating. I tried not to think about the fact that I was running 26.2 miles. And like, again, I just thought this is another training run, but a beautiful one. So I kept going and the first three miles were pretty tough because they were legitimately uphill at 70, what, 7,500? Oh, yeah. It, he was not whoever had composed the map and the summary of each of the, what would you call those, waves? No. Like each of the segments? Yeah, segments. He was not exaggerating. It was pretty tough because you're literally going uphill and you're confined to one side. of the So it's not like you have the whole highway where you can kind of run with all these other runners. It was almost single file at one point. But anyway, so I get past the three miles and that was extremely helpful to know that the first three were going to be super tough because I knew there was an end in sight. And how Revel did it was every in threes, I think. They had stations at every three miles. Yeah, every three. Yep, at first. At first. And then towards the end, it was maybe every two. So I knew that they would have gels, water, and Powerade and a Portadon at each of those stations. But I think I carried two gels in my flip belt and some chews and a water bottle. Because I was just trying to finish and not go by a specific speed, that was really helpful for me because I didn't feel the need to stop at all. So after I get done with the three miles, I kept going and it was beautiful. The weather was cold, but I still had my gloves on until about mile, I think six. And then after that, honestly, the first 13 miles were very enjoyable. Really? Well, because when after the, the initial three miles that were uphill and they were really hard, mm -hmm. the next six miles were 
fairly downhill. And like you said, you really didn't even have to think. However, I will say just because it's downhill doesn't mean it's like the easiest thing in the entire world. I'm sure Natalie spoke about that. She did. And, and we actually got some practice runs. Mm-hmm. We went out and found a downhill. And, and you really should, if you're going to do a downhill race, try to get in some of those long practice runs. Right. And I noticed there were some people who seemed to be injured after some of the downhills because you are going so fast, but it's just a matter of pacing yourself and knowing what is working for your body. But it was really cool for me because I was around fairly the same amount of people. And going up the hill, there were these runners, two of them in particular, who were really taking it slow. They just seemed to know what they were doing. And I was like, whoa, how am I passing them? But then lo and behold, as soon as they got done with the downhill, that was when they just let all their energy out. So they conserved it going up. So anyway, you know, everything was going good. I didn't have to stop to get water or Powerade, I think until I hit the half marathon mark. And then from there, I feel like it started leveling out. And then I think once I got to mile, I had only ran 20 miles ever in my training runs. So past 20 miles, I had never done before. And I was nervous about that. So as I continue running, I think I was at mile 18 and I was like, okay, I feel good. Got a water, got a Powerade. And then I was like, okay, we're coming up on 20. Get to 20, still feel pretty good. But then it started getting hot and it was flat and the sun came out. That was pretty hard. That was when I was talking to myself like, all right, Mo, come on, keep going. You got this. So then I get to mile 23 and I'm still doing it. I'm still running. And I look down at my Garmin and I'm like, whoa, if I shave off a couple minutes, I could maybe make it under four hours. So I decide to book it. And I think my pace was like nine something. I'm, I'm not sure. I actually have to look at my breakdown. But then all of a sudden I get to, to mile 24 and I'm like, okay, I'm, I seem to be on track. And I get to mile 25 and I'm like, okay, I'm feeling it. I hope I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but then I turn this corner and I see what seems to be the finish line because there was a bunch of balloons and, and I could see <laughs> the end of the finish line. And when we went to visit, I, I knew what the finish line looked like. I just didn't know how you got there. And so I was like, okay, it's 25.5 at this point. And I was like, just run, just run your little heart out. You're going to do it. So I run, run, run. And I'm not looking at my watch because I'm, I'm trying to run as fast as I can for how tired I am. And then I get there, what I thought was the finish line at 25.7. And I realize I have 0.3 miles left to go. And I just felt like the biggest knife just jammed in my chest. I was there. I saw it. Yeah. So Harrison (laughs) can tell you his perspective. He was so sweet. He was like videoing me and he was like, go Mo. And and then you kind of could tell something was wrong. Yeah, I was like, what is going on? And she was hyperventilating, like <gasps> like she she was gasping for air. Yeah, so around like 25.6, so like 0.1 miles from when I thought was the finish line, I started noticing that I couldn't breathe. I would literally be like <gasps> trying yeah. to like bang on my chest just to like be like, come on, like figure this out. And the faster I tried to go, the more restricted my breathing became. And I was like, what is going on? But it really hit me when I got to that imaginary finish line. And I realized I had longer to go. And so at that point, couldn't breathe. And Harrison told me, you need to, to walk. And so I stopped and I walked and I just started crying. It was really sad. And, and honestly, I was freaking out because I had finished quite a bit earlier only because I started so much earlier. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, man, how long has she been doing this for? Like, has she been struggling to breathe this whole time? If so, like, I felt so terrible for her. And I didn't realize that that was really the first time that it had happened. And so I was like, you want me to run with you to the finish line? And, and she's like, no, I want to do this on my own. And I'm like, okay. So I, at that point, I ran over to the finish line so I could, I could watch her across the finish line. And she was kind of walking and she was sobbing and defeated. And I was like, well... She's still a champ. She's going to finish. Like, she, there's no question. She's not going to not finish. She's so close, you know? And, and the funny part was I wasn't crying because I didn't think I was going to finish or I couldn't breathe. 
I was crying because I thought the finish line was closer than it was. <laughs> yeah. I just, and, and again, though, it goes into how you prepare, right? Had I prepared to do under four hours, I think it would have been a different story, but <laughs> spur of the moment, I was like, yeah, let's just run, run, run and see what happens. Not saying that it's not possible, but it definitely opened my eyes to how important it is to be considerate and thoughtful in your preparation and how you go into the race, right? So after Harrison said, okay, he turned around and I literally started running, but I was like run hobbling. I was like mid tears, just like, I'm going to do this. And then I turned the corner and then I crossed the finish line and all the tears went away. I was just so happy. It's funny because it's kind of like the reverse. Most people cry when they cross the finish line. Like I, I cried like a baby when I finished my first <laughs> marathon. The second one, I didn't cry at all. But <laughs> because, you know, you just put yourself through this thing. And for you, it was kind of the opposite. Like you were already kind of emotional. And then by the time you crossed, you were just like so happy. I think that's a good point too. I think I was pretty emotional. I think it, it hit me that I actually did it, that I actually did this thing that I thought was impossible. And I never considered myself doing anything like that. What I find so amazing is just how resilient you were. You looked unfazed when you crossed that finish line. Like, okay, the first minute or two, like anybody, you're, you're just like struggling to kind of catch your breath and walk. You were all smiles and chatting up everyone. And like, you were just in good shape. Honestly, it was night and day from when I finished my first. I was in rough shape when I finished my first marathon. I know a large part of that was because of you and how you planned out my training runs, how you helped me with my nutrition and my hydration. And also it's in a huge part to everyone we spoke to, right? We have this unlimited resource, the podcast and the the community. And we were able to talk with these incredible professionals and experienced runners and everyday runners. And collectively, I was able to use all of that for my benefit. And it made my first marathon a beautiful experience. Well, you got to tell everyone what your time was. Oh. <laughs> Which, by the way, everyone, she beat my first marathon time. Okay. So. But wait, it's not a competition. <laughs> but I am very proud of my time. So I finished my marathon in four hours, five minutes, and six seconds. What? And my pace was around nine minutes, 21 Nine hours, no, nine minutes, 21 seconds. 21. Absolutely amazing, you guys. Her first marathon, 405. I mean, look, any time is amazing. If you would have told me seven hours, I would have been super impressed. But like, just finishing, right? Oh, yeah. A magical experience. (laughs) So, do you think you'll do another? Oh, I know I'm going to do another. Should we reveal our goals, our plans? Yes. But before we do that, I want to say one more thing. You know, just because I had a magical experience, doesn't mean that if you finish your marathon and it just sucks, like Harrison's. Yeah, because mine sucked. Yeah, that doesn't mean that that's how a marathon should feel, right? Either it was magical or it sucked. I think a marathon is is very personal. Mm -hmm. And I think every marathon you do is very personal. So they're all going to change and they're all going to differ. I think the most important thing is recognizing your strengths and your capability and that you are capable of anything you put your mind to. And the word limitless just keeps reverberating in my mind because I went into it with no expectations and I came out of it with so much respect and appreciation for my body, my mind, what I can do, and also just why we do it, you know? So Yeah, 100%. Such a great experience. But to your point, I I love that you said that, Mo. Like, it's not going to be that way for everybody. Like, for me, it was a horrible experience. But at the same time, it was magical, too, like my first marathon, because I had done this amazing thing. But like, I was in so much pain and just night and day between my first and my second. And that just goes Mm. to show what good preparation will do. And I I think Mo seeing that she's only 35 minutes away from a, a BQ, a Boston qualifying time, and me only, you know, 28 minutes. So we're kind of both in the same ballpark. I think if Mo didn't have that little episode at the end, she would have been really close to that that four-hour mark. Yeah, but I am grateful for that little episode. Yeah. Because I think the pain, like your pain that you experienced in your first marathon, and even in this one, yeah, and what I went through as well, I think it is all a part of your journey. 100%. I think the pain is worth the result. 
Yeah, and so or the result is worth the pain. And so we got big plans, and and we're really gonna dial it in. I I know that both Mo and I we just feel like there's so much more we can give,、mm-hmm. and so much more we can put into our training, and things that we've learned from the first and the second in my case, or or in most case from her first, that. We both really, really want to try to qualify for Boston in January at the Mesa Marathon. <laughs> I know, saying that out loud, and, and we, we look. Mo will do it. Mo one hundred percent will do it. Me, Harrison will one hundred percent do it. I, I don't think you realize how fast an extra minute is, though. Like we both have to shave off a minute and then some from Harrison, our times. You literally shaved off forty-two minutes off of your first marathon. I I know, but look. We talked to Tyler Underwood. You, you all heard him on our podcast recently,、awesome. and and he's agreed to coach the two of us. Yes, he thinks it's possible for us to get there. And honestly, I think that's what it's all about. And and if you remember from our episode with Jake Vanderluck, he said that when he truly changed his mindset to a specific time goal, and for him it was to qualify for Boston. Once he would eat, sleep, and breathe that that goal of of, of qualifying for Boston, then it became a reality. And I, I think that's the way we need to go into this. Now, look, this is still marathon training for beginners.、Mm-hmm. We're still the crummy marathoners. We're still so far from, you know, being perfect, and、uh, we have so much to learn. And we don't want anyone to confuse our dreams and goals as being unrelatable in a sense. Like, I, I think I think it's so important that everyone realizes that that's just the goal that we have. But whatever goal you have, it's it's valid and and it's. It's amazing. Yeah, and I think it's also important to note that we're not trying to be elite runners. <laughs> We have immense respect and admiration for all of the elite runners out there. We are just trying to do what's best for us and what will make us better runners, better individuals. You know, and I I think for us, part of that is challenging ourselves and trying to qualify for Boston is going to be the challenge we both feel like we're ready to take on. And we also are going to be rolling out a lot of content that is again around training for marathons as a beginner,、mm-hmm. and we're going to try to kind of streamline it as well because right now we're going to go back to the beginning. Yeah, we've got it's May, and our Boston qualifying potential race is next January. So we're going to kind of take it back and. Just walk through it like we're still we're still beginners. Yep. So the content is not going to differ at all. No, not at all. But I also want it to be so well known that again we just also believe in the capability of the human spirit because 100. As a beginner, whether your goal is to qualify for Boston or whether your goal is to just cross the finish line, knowing that you're capable of doing it and that you're not limited, you're actually limitless, is I think the whole purpose of why we run. Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. I I think my biggest takeaway from this this marathon experience was, don't be afraid to set big goals.、Mm-hmm. Just just、mm-hmm. set big goals and go out there and and just crush them. Like y- you need to put in the preparation. So not to dog on Billy, but he won't care. He'll laugh at this. But like, no, Billy's a superhuman though. He is、let、a it, super freak athlete.、Know. Yeah, he is. Like he did that Goggin challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to have you know what we need to have him on the no, podcast. No, we、He、do. Can talk we do.、That. But I bring that up because he trained. He and I trained for a three thirty. Okay, so if you train for a three thirty, to say that you're gonna on the same day of the race, you're gonna shave thirty minutes off your time. It's probably not realistic. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm not saying it's never been done. But my point is, is that you've got to train for it. But with that said, set the big goal. Push yourself to whatever that thing is. It, it, it may be. A faster time, it may be something in your personal life, in your professional life, you know. But don't be afraid to set that big goal because you are capable of so much more than you think you are. I, I honestly can't fathom the fact that I was able to shave off. It hasn't even set in yet that I was able to shave off like forty minutes, and like I know the fact that Mo was able to do her first marathon completely unfazed. Like, set the big goals, you'll crush them. And also for me, again with the hey, actually, like Billy. Like me, it wasn't probably a great idea three miles from the finish line to be like, I'm going to try to get under four hours <laughs> and、yeah. then hyperventilate. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. For me, yeah, biggest takeaways: number one, preparation is huge. Adequately preparing for your marathon and and what your goal is for that, I can't even tell you. I think I know. I know that is why I've I had the experience I had, and I know that's why 
Harrison's meant to be in this position he is because he's incredibly not only knowledgeable for being a beginner, but he also cares immensely about every runner that he comes in contact with, whether it's his wife or it's the community. So it's it's nice to have, you know, that support system. And and we want to be that for this community that we have. Every comment, every encouragement, anything that you guys gave us, we use that in our race. 100%. Keep sending us those messages on on Instagram and Facebook and um, writing those reviews on the podcast because we read them all and and it just means so much to us, you guys. And your stories. Yeah. I, I Another thing I wanted to mention was when I was running, I would think about some of these stories. Like, I think it was Alan in Ireland or we had like uh, all of these like from Michelle and I mean, I just all these different people who we've heard from or spoken to or Megan or, you know, I, it was really cool to be able to know that we had this community cheering us on because we didn't have anyone cheering us on. It was just us because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. On the course. Yeah. And I can't tell you how amazing it was to know that we had this huge community online just being there for us. Yeah. So preparation, have that support and also, um, just know that it's never too late to do something new. I love that. You put that on Instagram afterwards. It's never too late. And, you know, yeah, we're we're still relatively young, like in the grand scheme of our life, I guess. But a lot of people would look at our age and be like, you're too old to enter a new sport, <laughs> you know? I know. But hey, we are not. No. We I, just ran marathons. <laughs> in fact, if you're listening and you're two or three times our age, you know, just just get it done. Do it. There's There's nothing stopping you. Yeah. And we're here cheering you on because anything is possible. So let that ring through your head if you're having doubts, if there's naysayers around you. You know, I'm working with someone right now who's training for her first marathon. And she told me she's had a lot of naysayers. I just can't, I can't believe that, you know. And, and there's just, there's a community full of, of people encouraging you. So get after it. We can't wait to see you on the finish line. We'll be cheering you on. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to us ramble for a long time. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope it's inspiring to you for your next race. Yeah. Thanks for always being there for us. Can't wait to take you guys along on this next step in the journey. Let's go. We've got another day or two of like enjoying the kind of post-race recovery and then it's back into the grind. You ready for it? Oh, I can't wait. I'm running tomorrow. I'm so excited. Let's do it. Until next time, guys. Bye. Follow us on Instagram at Crummy Marathoners. We'd love to hear your feedback and take any questions you might have. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes come out. And please leave us a five-star review so more people can join this running journey with us. Our theme song is Change the World by Breck. You can find his music on Spotify, searching B-R-E-K-K. And this episode was edited and mixed by Cat B.